Hello and welcome to another episode of the Diet Obsessed Podcast. I am your host, Veronica Santarelli, and this is a podcast for those of us who are just obsessed with all things diet culture, fitness, wellness trends, food, how celebrities get results. I also review other podcasts on these topics. On this show, I like to discuss details and the reality of trying to find balance in a world full of extremes. All right, let's get into the show. So if you want to support the show, you can subscribe to my premium content called Craving More. This gives you two additional episodes per month, basically one every single week. Right now, I put out two free episodes per month. So if you subscribe to the basic tier of Craving More, that will give you one every single week. So you'll get a total of four episodes per month. I also have an extra premium level called Craving More VIP. And that's when you get extra personal, extra juicy, often controversial topics. Uh, And you can subscribe to those tiers through the show notes or the link in my Instagram bio uh, at the Diet Obsessed Podcast. That's where you can follow me and find that link. Now, before we get into the show, I did want to talk to you about our sponsor, which is a trusted nutrition program focused on healthy aging and longevity. It's called Prolon for promoting longevity, and it helps maintain health, energy, clarity, weight, and performance while supporting healthy aging and rejuvenation of the cells. As you know, I'm all about slowing down the aging process and the and increasing longevity. And that really starts with what you're consuming on a regular basis. Their main product is the Prolon 5-Day Nutrition that feeds the body with clean, premium ingredients while providing the rejuvenation benefits of fasting. I'm actually doing that right now. I'm on day two. The Prolon system allows you to eat for five days and your metabolism and cells think you're fasting. It's the number one doctor-recommended fasting nutrition program based on over 20 years of research, and it was developed at the Longevity Institute of the University of Southern California. In human studies, Prolon showed to reduce biological age, as well as risk factors for health conditions. It's a great body and spiritual reset that combines plant-based nutrition with spirituality and rejuvenation. Fasting is common in all divine religions and major meditation schools, and now science has uncovered that there are major benefits of this practice. Check out Prolon's nutrition products and program, uh, and you can sign up for their Prolon 5-Day, and that's the one that they recommend you do five times per year. You can go to prolonlife.com. Or you can go to the notes, the link in my bio, uh, the link in the show notes. And we have a 20% off coupon that you can use uh, to get 20% off your Prolon products. It's Veronica20, and you can apply that at checkout. Okay, everyone, let's start the show. So today I'm going to be reviewing a podcast called The Drive with Dr. Peter Atia. Uh, I'm sorry, Atia. Uh, no, I think it's a Tia. Sorry. I, I've heard, this guy has been brought up to me so many times recently. Uh, Dr. Peter Atia. Uh, and so that'll be the last half of my show. First, let me get into my regular segments, starting with my mental health check-in. 
So this has been an interesting week. It's been a very up and down week with mental health for me personally. Of course, all the atrocities that keep happening in Israel and Palestine, it's just, it's so heartbreaking. I just, I can't stop watching and reading news and it's just, it's horrible. That is very sad and depressing. I try to stay focused on happiness and positivity, and I do my affirmations every day. One of my affirmations is all about feeling like enough. And I did have some moments this week where I was like, am I good enough? Is this podcast good enough? Is, you know, because... You, it's. I think it's normal for everybody to go through periods of self-doubt, and I just think it's important to just feel the fear and do it anyway. You know, I, I love that quote because it is normal to feel fear. We all fear it, and it's the people that can push through and, and just take the challenge anyway that really, I think, get ahead in life uh, and, and have less regrets. At least that's what they say. So anyway, I had just a lot go wrong this week. You know, I've been trying different things to grow my podcast, and it all was a disaster. I'd hired this woman to help me. She was very expensive, and just everything she tried to help me with just went horribly wrong. Uh, And so that was really frustrating, and, and I'm one of those like i i'm not fun to deal with when i when i'm when i'm trying to accomplish a specific goal and i've hired someone to do it and they're not necessarily meeting my expectations which i have very high expectations and i try to manage those expectations but anyway um you know i i, I know you attract more bees with honey so i really try to hide the asshole part of my personality in these moments uh, because I also know that people aren't going to respond right away. You have to give people 24 hours to respond. And and anyway, I'd reached out to this woman with questions and concerns after I'd noticed all the work she had helped me with just went horribly wrong. This was like Facebook ads that had gone wrong. And um. And, you know, and she, it took, it took her till the next day to get back to me, which is fine. I just had to keep, I had to like keep myself busy to keep my anger at, you know, at a, at a low level. And so I just, you know, you, you just have to talk to yourself. It's okay, Veronica, things don't have to be perfect. Nothing's perfect. Just, you know, focus on other things that you need to accomplish and feel good about those accomplishments. So, you know, I talked myself off the ledge and, and it was fine. Uh, I just had, I faced a lot of rejection this week in, in work, in my personal life. It's just, you know, it's just one of those weeks where, um, you know, I found out our security company had, had messed more stuff up in, in the Massachusetts, uh, you know, build out we're trying to do to get this license. And so like a lot of that hit me in one day, I think it was yesterday, actually yesterday, I was in a very, very foul mood. I was also starting my fast yesterday, so that, that might have played into it. Um, and I, I I got through the day. It was fine. I didn't emotionally eat. I stick stuck to the prolon plan, and it was fine. And and today, 
everything is better. Like I shut off the Facebook ads. So I was like, let me just shut them off so that I, I at least am not embarrassed by the botched video that went out that's like literally was like a sideways video. I'm like, this is embarrassing. <laughs> I just shut the ads off. I'm like, at least these are shut off. So I did that. That that helped improve everything. And, um, and then, you know, I had a good call with uh, a potential replacement for our security company. I also just had a good call with our partner in Massachusetts, Dan, who's do, again doing a phenomenal job now. He's, it's a total 180 from where it was, a f- you know, a couple months ago. So I'm just, that's all good. So it's just, you got to get through the bad days, right? Everybody has bad days. Sometimes they can be weeks, but usually it's like a day or two. And then the next day you're good. Like today, I'm in a great mood. You know, things are looking up again and and I'll figure out the whole Facebook ads, whatever. Like I'll figure out ways to grow this podcast in other ways if the ones I'm trying are not working. It's going to be fine. So anyway, I do hope all of you have had good mental health weeks this week and, you know, haven't had as many ups and downs, but that's life. So anyway, that's my mental health check-in this week. I'm not going to do a diet culture media moment or anything with anti-aging this week. I did want to talk about my tasty treat section, I want to talk about some of the tasty treats I had over since I last recorded and also the why I started the Prolon. And that I'll get into in my healthy habits segment. But so so if you'll remember back, I think the last time I had taped a podcast, I had done the Prolon reset and then two days later, you know, Chad was making the pasta and the garlic bread and his parents had brought over pies. And I'm like, well, I'm not trying to be perfect. So I'll just have some of this. and It'll be fine. And and I do like that. I don't want to be consumed with like, I have to eat perfectly after I do this prolon reset, blah, blah, blah. But I I also. So anyway, so we had this pie in the house and I did eat more of it. I was trying not to eat processed sugar or, or at least cut down on the processed sugar. I was trying to do a lot more whole foods. And and I ended up, I didn't buy any, I didn't buy any cakes and pastries or anything like that to bring in the house. But of course, his parents had brought those pies and, you know, Chad was was away on Friday overnight uh, at this like half marathon or something he was running with some friends and the last pie piece of pie was sitting in the in the thing and I don't even like lemon meringue pie but I ate it <laughs> like I'm here it's staring me in the face it's sugar I'm addicted to sugar clearly and I ate the pie and it was good pie uh, and so had that, and I had brought all these like lollipops home from this networking event. Don't ask me why, but I started eating the lollipops. Then Saturday, I met Chad out, my boyfriend Chad out with some friends. They had gotten back from their race and they were at a local bar having some drinks and some food. And I knew the sports bar and I knew that I usually just get like pizza and fried chicken there. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to make an unhealthy choice. And so because I had I had I wasn't really planning on having something, you know, indulgent on Saturday. I was really trying to be, you know, mostly whole foods and not really not drink any alcohol. 
Um, but I, I did. I ended up having a couple drinks. I did make a healthier choice, though. I did end up getting some fajitas because I'm like, well, at least I'll have some steak and it's vegetables. And, you know, I can... And I was like, maybe I won't eat the flour tortilla. But uh, yes, I ate the flour tortilla. So I had the tortilla with some guacamole, little cheese. And I did get steak because I had been eating so much chicken that week. And so, and it was delicious. It was really, really good. I did feel like it was a better choice than just having pizza and fried chicken. So I felt good. I felt better about it. And I had some white claws and I was like, whatever. And I was going to brunch the next day with my girlfriends. So I knew I was going to have some cocktails on Sunday. And I also knew that... I'd probably, well, I was hoping to get these chicken lettuce wraps. Like I looked at the menu prior. I did want to make a healthy choice. And so I'd gotten this, well, I'd wanted to get the, um, you know, the, the chicken lettuce wraps. I'm like, that's a good choice. But when I got there, they didn't have it. My friends wanted to order an appetizer. So we got the guacamole with some chips. So I had some of that. And then I, I was like, I was really debating what I wanted to get. And I still wanted to eat something that I felt good about. Uh, And so I was debating between a couple options. I ended up choosing the sushi roll, which I did post a picture on my Instagram, and it was disgusting. It was honestly probably the worst sushi roll I've ever had in my life. Um, I broke my cardinal rule of never ordering sushi in Arizona. Don't get me wrong. I know there are restaurants here that do it well, but I... For some reason, if I'm not on the ocean or in a state where they're like on the ocean, I don't want to eat sushi there. So, yeah, I paid the price. It was gross. And I ate it. I ate every bite because I didn't want to waste it. So I I got it down. And uh, the cocktails were okay. I mean, this place was not that great, to be honest. But um, so... So then I went home and I made that sourdough. So I don't know. I mean, sourdough is not a whole food. So I don't know why. I think because I saw that Netflix show about, you know, all the the blue zones and how they use sourdough. And I'm like, well, I'll make sourdough and that'll be healthy. You know, and I and I and I do think that, you know, bread, all foods can be incorporated into a healthy lifestyle, right? So I again I'm not sitting here trying to be like, oh, I'm not going to have this food group. But I'm not like, I like to eat everything. But I I was trying to just make healthier choices just for my own good mental health, really. And so, um, so I did end up, and I, I had wanted to, I wanted to make bread for a while. I really have wanted to learn for a long time. And I, my mom, my mom and I were supposed to make it together. She's like, it's so easy, blah, blah, blah. And we were, I was going to, you know, record this Zoom video of it and maybe, you know, post it to my VIP level. But my mom is in Florida right now and she didn't have her sourdough starter. So I'm like, screw it. I'm just going to buy all the stuff. I'm going to figure it out myself. So I got the Dutch oven. I ordered the Dutch oven off of Amazon. I got, uh, I ordered this sourdough starter and then I watched the instructions on how to like bring it back to life. And so, I mean, the process took like two or three days to like get the starter ready, build up the, the starter, make the dough. And so when I got home from the brunch, it was definitely ready to bake. And so I baked the bread came out really nice. I was so excited to have made my first loaf of sourdough bread. 
And and I, you know, I you're supposed to wait two hours. I don't know why this recipe calls for two hours, but I was like, I want to cut into this thing now. So I did wait an hour and it was nice and warm when I sliced my first piece of bread and I slathered butter all over it. And it was delicious. I mean, here's the thing. I really, I don't like sour necessarily. So I really love the crust. And then I did put some some raspberry jam on it. So I put butter and raspberry jam and then just proceeded to stuff myself with bread the rest of the night. So that was fun. Uh, so anyway, so I woke up on Monday. And again, I, I mean, I really had like, I mean, I had like two big, two big thick slices, right? Which is really like if you're cutting them in half, it's really like four slices. But um, I was so, I mean, I wasn't even hungry. And I ate that bread on top of the heavy brunch. And, you know, so I, I just woke up Monday thinking, I really need to get control over my weekends. Like that's, if I if I do want to have consistency, you know, I, I do want to have a really structured weekend. And so I decided that I was going to start that Prolon five day this week. Um, so I think that's pretty much the end of my tasty treat section. Hopefully all of you had some tasty treats yourselves. All right, let's get into my healthy habits section. So I did have, so going into last week, I'd done this huge grocery shopping and I'd gotten tons of chicken and all this fruit and all these vegetables and I made this quinoa salad. So I talked about that last week. Uh, And, you know, I'd planned, I bought so much fruit. I'm like, okay, this fruit is going to replace the sugar I would normally be eating over the weekend. And so, um, so I did, I mean, I ate, I ate the fruit, but I also, you know, had, you know, a lot of bread and stuff like that. So, I mean, I'm all about balance. This podcast is all about balance. So I love to have all the indulgent tasty treats, but I do like to typically do like the 80-20 rule where 80% of the day I am eating healthy and then I have a little bit of indulgence. Now, so I still had, starting this week, I still had, you know, I still had a lot of healthy foods in the house. I still had a lot of chicken left. I still had all these cucumbers I had chopped up left. I still had strawberries and those rambutans left. And I had a bunch of like healthy whole foods left in the house. And so I was like, typically I would want to start, especially after eating all that bread on Sunday, typically you'd want to start the prolon on the Monday. But I didn't want it to be like I had done the reset. Like the reset, I just, I ate so much sugar, all the donuts and the pastries and blah. I was like sick of food the next day when I started that prolon reset, which ultimately is not a big challenge, right? When you're, when you've eaten so much, you're actually sick of food. So I really wanted to, A, I didn't want to waste any food. So you for those of you that have been listening to me for a while, you know, I hate wasting food. So I wanted to, and and when I did the prolon reset, I had just gone grocery shopping. So I had all these crunchy, delicious grapes in the fridge and all these cut up crunchy cucumbers that I just, I wanted to snack on some of them. And it was weird to be on this one day reset where, 
you know, I wanted to grab a cucumber. I wanted to grab a grape. And um, I had to hold myself back from eating fruits and vegetables, which seems very counterintuitive to a healthy lifestyle, right? But obviously, if you're doing a fast and you're doing a system that's designed by science, you do want to follow it to a T. I mean, if you want to get the best results and you want to feel the way you want to feel and you want to get this, the, this, the results that are proven by science, you do want to follow it to a T. So... Uh, so anyway, so that's, that's why I started it on Wednesday. I also was like, and I was thinking about it the entire time. I'm like, am I really going to do this? Am I going to try to do prolon over a weekend? And I'm, I was, I was really debating because I'm like, I'll be a tortured soul over the weekend. I might fail. I might drop off. I might. And I've talked to a lot of you, like I've had several of you DM me that have tried the prolon five day and a lot of people, a lot of people can't get through the fourth and fifth day. Even Healthy with Chelsea that I follow, she wasn't able to get through the fifth day. Now, one of my coworkers did, and I am planning on it. I'm, I'm really going to try hard to stick to this perfectly through the five days. So that means I'm not going to do anything this weekend. I'm literally going to be the most boring human being this weekend. And I know that's how, not how it should be. Like, you should be able to go out and socialize. But I just... I can't be around anyone eating or drinking anything delicious. Um, and so so I did. I, I So Monday and Tuesday, I ate all the healthy foods. I exercised. I ran both days because I, I figured starting the five day, I wouldn't want to do a lot of cardio because I don't want to make myself extra hungry. But I so I did, you know, do a nice run on Monday and Tuesday. And I just ate like I normally would. I had, you know, my my superfood smoothie shake. I had a ton of chicken and in in soup, I had some soup that it was really delicious. And I ate the strawberries and yogurt. And I had a huge salad both days with tons of olives and onions and chicken in it and my um, Mediterranean dressing. And so, and I did, so the Tuesday before starting Prolon, I also had a carb-filled filling dinner. I ended with, because I I had no chicken left, so I ended up, and I wanted some protein, some animal protein. So I took a protein bagel and did an egg with some bacon on it. And so like basically like a bacon, egg, and cheese protein bagel. And that was yummy. (laughs) That was really good. And so, so, you know, and I didn't like stuff myself that night. I had that bagel sandwich and I had a little bit of the the rest of the dark chocolate that I had in the house. I wanted to clear out any of the tempting things. And so that means I didn't waste any food. I, I ate all the lychees or rambutans. I ate all the strawberries. I ate all the cucumbers and all the chicken. So all that stuff was cleared out. So no waste. And then I started the Prolon five-day on Wednesday. So first day went great. I almost made a mistake. I was like in the middle of a screening for the company that I that I have my side hustle job. And, um, and this person like stepped away for a second. And I, these almonds were sitting on my desk. And I'm like, oh, let me have an almond while I'm waiting for this person. And I'm like, oh, I can't eat an almond. So that's the weird thing is like I'm, I'm a snacker. And, you know, I'm used to grabbing like a little snack here and there. So that's just been the one thing that I have to control. Um, I am, they they do give you some supplements in the packs uh, in each day. Those, you know, 
I did figure out a new way to take those because I had to like choke them down the first day and I kept burping up the vegetable powder. But uh, I did figure if I drink a, a gulp of water first, then put the supplement into my mouth, it goes down a lot better. So, uh, and I think honestly, like they, they give you a lot of tea and I don't drink, I, I put tea in a lot of like, f- like my superfood smoothie and all that stuff. I usually drink coffee in the morning. Um, but I will say tea does kind of decrease your appetite, or at least it does for me. And so the tea has been helpful here and there when I'm getting a little hungry and I just want to sip on a little tea. So, so yeah, so I feel good. I, another healthy habit I did this morning, I, so I'm, I'm not running, right? I'm, I'm, I took yesterday completely off from working out, which I think my body really needed. Today, I went and did a red light sauna at this, oh my God, this Perspire studio I just discovered in Paradise Valley. Oh, amazing. This red light sauna had like a TV where the speakers come into the sauna. It's beautiful. It's really, you know, it's 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 made for just red light saunas. So they have each like these private cubicles and oh my like a water fill station and just it was awesome. It was a great 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 experience. Got to watch an episode of the Kardashians while I was, you know, doing my little sauna. So I will definitely be going back there. I will tag them on my Instagram. I'll be posting a a little reel about it soon to give them a little little shout out for the, the great experience they provided. So, so yeah, so today's my second day and I'm, you know, I'm just it's there's going to be long days. So I'm planning all this like self-care stuff. I'm going to go swimming later. I am I've I've I have tons of stuff on my calendar because I think I'll just end up being extra productive. So anyway, so I will give the full results on my next episode. I'll be talking about numbers, if I if I lost weight, how I feel, uh, super brutal honesty about the whole five day. Um, and that'll be an episode of Craving More. So if you'd like to listen to that, you can subscribe to Craving More through the link in my Instagram bio at the Diet Obsessed Podcast. Um, so that will be next week. All right, let's get into my podcast review. So this week, I'm going to be reviewing an episode of a podcast called The Drive from Dr. Peter Atia. Now, I so my hot take on this. So the the I'm going to be re- review blah. I'm going to be reviewing his podcast, The Drive, but I heard him on another podcast I listened to called The Daily Stoic. Now, it's interesting because when I first started listening to the to the one that he was on through The Daily Stoic, I mean, it's a two-hour episode, and I was listening to it at night and kind of kind of drifting off to sleep. I don't know why, but the the, the beginning of it, I wasn't I wasn't enjoying it that much, and he was talking a lot about hunting, and you know he hunts with a with a bow and arrow, and he was talking about rucking, and I'm like what is rucking? And it's basically just walking with a big, heavy weighted backpack through the woods, and so I I didn't get a good 
you know, I didn't walk away with a great impression just from that first hour that I listened to. But he's so revered. I mean, I, I've met, I don't know why, but he's coming up all the time in my my sphere of what I listen to and who I talk to, even just people I, you know, like I was interviewing this guy the other day and he brought him up. So I was like, I need to look this guy up and learn more about him. And I did end up last night listening to the rest, the last half of The Daily Stoic with Dr. Peter Atia on it, and it was really good. He was very, he was talking about some really interesting things because Dr. Peter Tia is very much about longevity and he works with, with some of the most famous people around the world, some of the most successful people around the world. And, you know, the, the Daily Stoic was more focused on this idea of, you know, why would you, parts of it anyway, were about, you know, why would you want to extend your life? Right? Why do you want to increase your longevity if you're a miserable human being? Right? If you're not living a, a happy life, if you're not living, you know, pain free, for example, and and I just thought that that was really interesting because that is true. Like if you're somebody that's suffering, that's just like an an angry person or somebody that you know swirls in negativity and hatred you probably don't want to live longer right or if you don't feel good right and you're in pain all the time you probably wouldn't want to extend your life but he was also talking about this idea of how he's he he believes he's probably peaking right now in his career and he was and he just turned 50 and he was talking about how in in a decade or so, he'll probably be less relevant. And he was really honest, which I appreciated. And he's like, you know, if I really think about that, I'm being honest, that, that makes me a little sad. And, and, and I think it's, you know, he, I think he, I think he wants to live the longest, best life possible himself. And I think I think early in his life, from the research that I did with him, he started out just making a lot of mistakes. I mean, he's with his family and just with people that he loves and is close to. And I think on his mission to to achieve greatness, he, you know, he maybe didn't treat people the best way along the way. And somebody had talked to him about... I forget this other really famous person that he respects had said, it's interesting that in all this work you do, that you talk about, you know, every kind of health except emotional health. And I think that was a real wake up call for him. And I I think that's maybe the start of him journeying into stoicism. And, um, and so he's, he's a huge fan of Ryan Holiday, who is, you know, who, who puts out the Daily Stoic podcast and and the Daily Stoic book that I read every day. And, um, you know, and I I think, you know, they talk a lot about, on this episode, at least, finding meaning through family and, and children. And Ryan was talking about this idea of how pathetic it was that that there's politicians out there that work into their 90s. And, um, you know, and how sad that was that these people are not really truly valuing what's important. You know, maybe they're just putting these these agendas before them and this ego of needing to be in that seat and be in the Senate or, you know, wherever you're talking about 
but um, instead of maybe spending more time with loved ones or you know, taking time to relax in nature and enjoying the fruits of your labor versus still just pounding away, sitting in that seat, even though you're you're not well. And, you know, Ryan saw it as pathetic. I think I saw it a little bit differently. I think I saw it as more, you know, some people think that they do have meaningful they provide meaning and purpose to the world through the work that they're doing. And I think what I got out of this episode with them is the challenge for everybody is finding the balance in all of that. And, you know, that's what I talk about a lot on this podcast is finding balance between the indulgent food, the healthy food, but also work-life balance. And, you know, I for a long time, put all my ego into my my startup company. And I ended up really going down a dark, dark path because of that, because of the challenges we ran into. And so, you know, I think starting this podcast has has been the not not the start I'd been I'd been working on myself for many years prior to that. But I think um, trying to find balance spiritual like spiritually and health wise and work wise and in all of these areas i think is how you live your healthiest life it is how you live the longest happiest life you possibly can because in that longevity you know the netflix special that i talk about sometimes community and meaning and purpose and and spending time with people that you care about, that also is really important to overall health, right? There's there's physical health, there's spiritual health, there's mental health, there's all these different facets of how to live the healthiest, best life possible. And so that's kind of what I got out of listening to that Daily Stoic episode, and and then I, I was kind of just doing a little bit more research on him. And he and Dr. Atia had told Oprah Winfrey that he does cardio and, and this is getting back into the real health aspects because he is a doctor, right? He's a doctor that, you know, went to Stanford University and, you know, studied at Johns Hopkins for a long time and did and worked at Johns Hopkins for a long time. And so, you know, he is very into, you know, the data and um, and also the benefits of fitness and and nutrition. And so so when I was doing research, I came across this little snippet where um, Dr. Atia was was with Oprah Winfrey talking about how he did, does cardio and strength training four days a week. And then he he swears by rucking, walking around with a weighted rucksack or backpack. Um, he said, it's literally a backpack with a weight plate in it. He said, I carry 60 pounds in a backpack on my back, and I walk up and down hills all over my neighborhood. So, and I can see how that would be beneficial because you have to like have balance and you have to really pay attention and there's different, you know, there's there's inclines as you're going up hills. Um, and then, of course, being in nature, which is just good for us. And so I, I also came across this health news article where it talked about the Peter Atia diet in quotes, and he wants it to be understood in as in the context of nutritional framework, because 
he argues that all diets are comprised of one or more of these types of restrictions, either dietary restrictions, which is what you eat, caloric restrictions, how much you eat, and time restrictions, when you eat. And Atiyah described that these three types of restrictions as parameters to abide by or levers that can be pulled. He said losing weight requires pulling one or more of these levers in various combinations. Patients who are not pulling any of these three lever levers are considered to be on the standard American diet, which leads to weight gain and chronic disease. And so ideally, patients will pull two levers at a time to achieve weight loss results. Um, and then, then they kind of break down different dietary restrictions, which is, you know, removing certain foods. And they just give some examples of like the ketogenic diet, vegan diets, low-carb diets, low-fat diets, paleo diets, um, and Dr. Atia pinpointed that cutting out sugar, high fructose corn syrup, and junk foods like pastries, cookies, potato chips, all the delicious things. Uh, however, he does not restrict healthy starches and vegetables. Smart. And so then there's caloric restriction. Uh, so and and what he recommended is instead of caloric restriction, he recommends fasting. And he doesn't like the term intermittent fasting per se. He said he, it, he typically recommends custom fasting, which benefits an individual by meeting their needs as they relate to regulating blood sugar and fueling activity. And then time restriction, of course, time restricted eating or feeding involves increasing the window from overnight to a longer period, such as the, you know, 12 to 16 hour fasting period, in which the first number is the time you spend not eating. Um, well, they're just talking about they have these different ratios, but we know what fasting is. I'm doing it right now. I actually do prefer this prolon where you do get some food. Uh, this, I think, will work for me really, really well, besides the typical just not eating until, you know, 2 p.m. or whatever. And then uh, he talked about some of the things that he might have for lunch. He said he typically eats a huge salad bigger than his head, which consists of romaine lettuce, kale, carrots, tomatoes, cucumbers, olives, mushrooms, chicken breast or tuna, a little bit of olive oil, some lemon juice, some white vinegar, some almond slivers. Um, he also uh, mentions eating seven hard-boiled eggs, an avocado, uh, two ounces of cheese. Uh, he also drinks uh, uh, two liters of the Peter Kaufman Super Start Shake with heavy cream, zero sugar almond milk, a package of chocolate Super Starch. That's interesting. Uh, two tablespoons of almond butter and an extra 20 grams and an extra 20 grams of bio steel whey protein and frozen strawberries. It says on the occasion he has a snack, which is typically a cup of nuts like macadamia nuts or an apple covered in nut butter. All that sounds delicious and very nutritious. For dinner, he shared several meals, a huge salad substituting one pound of salmon for the meat and nuts with a bowl of berries for dessert, an omelet made of six eggs, shredded cheddar, other veggies, um, a side of steamed broccoli and butter, and two spoons of almond butter for dessert. 
I'm getting very hungry right now. Uh, two heaping plates of curry stir fried with tofu, carrots, broccoli, bell peppers, mushrooms, zucchini, and squash with a sauce made from curry paste. So these are just different examples of what he might have for dinner. Another example, eight ounces of steak or salmon with a large salad. Um, and then or one or two seaweed salads, a huge platter of sashimi, California roll, or other specialty roll. So yeah, he eats very well, very whole food driven, and also very balanced. I mean, he's not strictly plant-based. He's not overdoing it on the carnivore side. He does have a lot of protein, um, but also a lot of plants and good dairy and a lot of whole foods, obviously. So, you know, very similar to a lot of the other physicians that I've reviewed on this podcast, with the exception of Dr. Paul Saladino, who is the carnivore doctor. And I'm glad I had given a little caveat before reviewing the episode he was on. But I know for me personally, everybody's different. I do like a balance of plant-based and animal protein. That That is what works best for me as well. Now, the drive, so that all of that review of what he eats, that was from the Health News article. His podcast was episode number 51, and it was all about understanding and improving metabolic health. So in this, he really did a deep dive into the critical topic of metabolic disease. And he was in this episode, he was shedding light on poor, how poor metabolic health drives up the risk of developing other chronic diseases. Um, And he explores the array of metrics and tests used to assess metabolic health. Um, He has some preferred methodologies that he uses with patients. And then he also talks about how to improve metabolic health, of course. And um, and so there was a gentleman who was interviewing him and asking him some questions. And they wanted to talk about just the nuanced ways to understand how metabolically healthy someone is. And so the first topics were all about the importance of metabolic health and as a primer on medical metabolic disease and how poor metabolic health can increase one's risk for other chronic diseases. So the gentleman asking the questions first wanted to um, he thought it would be helpful to define medical metabolic disease or syndrome and how it feeds into these other diseases like cancer, neurodegenerative diseases, and cardiovascular disease. So Peter first wanted to give some historical context. He said there was once a famous endocrinologist by the name of Jerry Reven, who worked out of Stanford. And in the 1980s, he made an observation, which was the following five signs, um, which was the the following five signs, sorry, that so he made an observation that there were some signs that were precursors to major diseases, like like the ones mentioned before, cancer, neurodegenerative diseases, and cardiovascular disease. And these five signs he referred to as syndrome X. Uh, and this was some of the symptoms were, when people have truncal obesity, elevated triglycerides, depressed 
HDL cholesterol, which is the good cholesterol that absorbs other cholesterol from the blood, elevated blood pressure, and elevated glucose levels. And he said this thing, and he, he called it syndrome X. And he said it seemed to be a, a, a remarkable predictor of all these chronic diseases of aging. So syndrome X ended up becoming metabolic syndrome. And, and he said, now we have some numbers to back up this information. So when it comes to truncal obesity, he said truncal obesity is now measured by a waist circumference of more than 40 inches in men and 35 inches in women. Elevated triglycerides is over 150 milligrams per deciliter. They are defining uh, low HDL cholesterol as below 40 milligrams per deciliter and below 50 milligrams per deciliter in women. Elevated blood pressure is above 130 over 85. He said a lot of doctors prescribe high blood pressure medication when it's even over 120 over 80. And fasting glucose levels greater than 100 milligrams per deciliter. He said, and the syndrome is having three or more of these. And he personally didn't think that this is the best way to define metabolic syndrome and look at metabolic health. He said there are many, many more nuanced ways to look at it, which they'll get into. And even though the syndrome is having three or more of these, he said, even if you have one, it's, it's not as good as having none. And obviously having two is worse than having one. So the questioner asked, how does metabolic syndrome feed the other major diseases or like the, the horsemen, as you're calling them? So Peter said, if you look at all the meta-analysis of all-cause mortality, of cardiovascular mortality, muscular mortality, cancer mortality, cancer incidents, dementia incidents, everything points in the same direction. Once you have metabolic syndrome you're at an increased risk of everything. Cardiovascular disease risk goes up by 135%. Your cardiovascular mortality increases by 140%. Your all-cause mortality is up by 58%. Your MI risk goes up 99%. Stroke, 127%. Cancer, 56% in age-adjusted risk for cancer mortality. He said there are specific cancers that are particularly known to be a risk for these precursors, including endometrial cancer, which is you're seven times more likely to get that cancer if you have metabolic syndrome, esophageal cancer, almost five times as likely, gastric cancer, twice as likely, liver and kidney, twice as likely. He said, so these cancers are specifically exacerbated by metabolic syndrome or by obesity, or being overweight. He said, I think most people understand that smoking is an enormous driver for cancer risk. I mean, as far as environmental triggers, it's still number one, but obesity is number two. And if you look closely at the data, it's really metabolic syndrome that overlaps with obesity. Then if we look, if we turn to neurodegenerative diseases, looking at something like Parkinson's, he said there's a 24% higher risk of Parkinson's for people with metabolic syndrome than without it. He said having three of the risk factors for metabolic syndrome, you'll have a 31% higher chance of getting Parkinson's, where if you have five or more risks for metabolic syndrome, the risk factor goes up to 66%. 
With Alzheimer's disease, it's about a 10% increase in this disease for those with metabolic syndrome, which interestingly seems pretty low. He said, but if you look closer at the data, there seems to be a protective role in the abdominal obesity risk factor that is probably due to reverse causality, which means that simply, you know, when people have Alzheimer's disease, it can lead to more abdominal obesity. But regardless, I I think that's why the the numbers don't seem so big. He said, when you look at all forms of dementia, because Alzheimer's disease is only the most prevalent form of dementia, for vascular dementia, there's a 37% increased risk for getting this disease when you have metabolic syndrome. Uh, Just side note, I think that's what my dad had. So my dad, you know, kind of developed dementia as he was in hospice care and kind of ending, you know, in his last months. Uh, and I and it was vascular because he had so many heart attacks. He had diabetes. He had all of these. Um, you know, he definitely had metabolic syndrome. And so I think as he aged and got sicker and sicker and sicker, that's when the dementia set in and he was having hallucinations. And, you know, it was, again, another reason I do this podcast is, is for the balance. So we don't end up suffering like my dad. Um And I think actually that is actually just, again, a side note that just brings up a memory that Dr. Peter Atiyah on the Daily Stoic podcast was saying, like, he has such intimate knowledge of what happens when you don't take care of yourself, right? And that's that's across the board with, with people in healthcare, with people that have had loved ones. We sometimes are the most passionate because we've seen it. Like we know what's coming for us if we don't take good care of our health. And um, anyway, that's just a side note. So then the questioner was asking, how useful is body weight and BMI for estimating metabolic health? And Peter said, it's a very crude tool. It's, it's understandable why body weight and BMI are used as health indicators at a population level because, you know, you're stuck with something very simple and reliable. But, you know, I've, I've tried to really disentangle obesity and metabolic syndrome. He said the data comes from NIH, but these numbers turn out to be very conservative numbers. He said, conservatively speaking, you have 108 million obese adults in the U.S., 150 million non-obese, and this is defined as BMI over 30. Now, if you look at the people that are obese and have metabolic syndrome, it's 62% of the obese, of the obese that have metabolic syndrome. So that's 67 million people that are obese with metabolic syndrome. If you look at the 150 million non-obese people, 22% of these people have metabolic syndrome, or 33 million. So what you can see is you have 100 million people, and again, I think that's a very conservative estimate, that have metabolic syndrome in the U.S., and a third of them are not obese. So if you think about all the things that we look at in our patients and all the metrics we have on them... I actually don't know the BMI of one of my patients, and I don't care because I'm not trying to practice medicine on a population basis. I don't even know my own BMI. He said, I know I'm overweight by my BMI, but it's not some, you know, something we're going we're gonna to manage. 
ultimately, BMI is not that helpful. It doesn't account for body composition or insulin sensitivity. You know, we do various scans that provide better data. But yeah, don't use BMI. Uh, then the questioner said, um, I was going to mention something here. Uh, I, I I do like the fact that they, they talked about that, about the difference between understanding BMI and someone's actual, um, you know, body composition, right? Because, again, muscle is much more dense than, than fat. And so people that have much more muscle than fat, you know, it's that whole skinny, skinny fat campaign that we did at Equinox that people got pissed about. But it's true. It's like there's a lot of skinny people out there that are very, very unhealthy. So it's good that he doesn't just use BMI, obviously. Then the gentleman asking the questions wanted to know, what are some of the various tests and metrics used to understand metabolic health on an individual level? So Peter said, we organize them as functional tests, imaging tests, regular biomarkers, maybe some special tests based on the individual, and regular blood testing, looking at biomarkers. We're looking at things like uric acid, uh, triglycerides, HDL, cholesterol, hemoglobin, A1C, fasting glucose, and insulin, and then liver function tests. He said, one of the less common things we test for uh, you know, we we look at we that we look at is resting and fasting lactate levels. This helps us understand performance with exercise, and this is more of a functional test. Uh, other functional tests we look at include oxygen utilization, uh, CO two production under stress, oral glucose tolerance tests, uh, continuous glucose monitoring. You know, other practices look at whole body respiratory testing as well. We don't necessarily do that in our practice, but it definitely can be done. Also, we do imaging testing like DEXA scans, which are measuring visceral adipose tissue and muscle mass. It also tests for body fat, which is much more relevant than BMI or body weight. He said some people rely on CT scans to understand body fat. He said you can also get an MRI. We do liver ultrasounds along with algorithm algorithms that look at blood testing to understand fibrosis scores um, and the potential risk for fatty liver disease. He said there are some other complex tests you can read about in research that we don't necessarily use in clinical practice. But um, so that was where this episode. So if you want to subscribe, he has this whole subscription level uh, that you can get the rest of the podcast. And I think they go in even deeper, deeper, deeper into the science. So some of you might enjoy that. So uh, go check out his podcast, The Drive, if you want to subscribe to his show. Um, He'll talk later about getting into like nutrition and sleep and exercise, um, you know, uh, emotional health, all of those other factors that I talked about that, you know, he's talked about many times in various articles and and interviews he's done. So he puts out a lot of good information. I do understand why he has such a rabid fan base, and I definitely will be reviewing more episodes from him. Um, I am in this kind of pattern with Instagram where I am discovering new podcasts. So it's really exciting. I love doing new episodes, uh, reviewing new shows I've never done before. 
I do have two Ozempic ones that I've been putting off doing because I did, you know, every once in a while I want to do something a little bit more science-based, um, but then we'll get back to our Ozempic talk eventually. Uh, maintenance phase did one, and then, of course, Taylor and Claudia Oshry talk about it on Taste of Taylor. So I've been waiting to listen to that full episode. I had started reviewing it before I did Dr. Atia's episode, but I, I don't know. I just I, I felt compelled to do uh, Dr. Atia first. So hope you enjoyed that. Um, if any of you have any other recommendations, I know one of my listeners DM me an episode all about how you stop binging on desserts, which I, I'm planning on going to check out that podcast. Um, I don't know if I'm going to do that episode, but I'm going to check out the other ones that she has. And anyway, uh, feel free to DM me if you have any questions, comments, feedback. Uh, If you want to support the show, please subscribe to Craving More or Craving More VIP through the link in my Instagram bio. Another way you can support the show that does not cost a penny is by leaving a review or or a rating for this episode. Um, It means the world to us podcasters. I cannot tell you how much it helps us. So if you would be so kind, I would appreciate a rating and a review, either or. Click some stars, leave a comment. Um, All the people that hate me do. So if anyone else there likes me, please leave me a review. (laughs) Anyway, we have more great episodes coming up. I will be doing a full review of my Prolon 5-day my regular segments next week, along with a new podcast review. Uh, So stay tuned for more good content. Until we meet again, I hope all of you have a very balanced week.